0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Joel Lutz. I'm with Andrew Scherer. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Crescent City Objection. We'll be talking about Pelican Saints, NFL, NBA, you know, all things New Orleans, really, and um will be your scoop for anything like that. So uh, we're going to kick right into it. Um, Andrew, so this whole deplacate thing is pretty crazy, and uh, I read it in the stat today, it said something like, uh, the Patriots haven't fumbled in the last 458 rushing attempts. And I think that's just substantial evidence. At first I thought this was something silly, you know, just whatever. They're deflating the balls, you know, whatever. Who cares? But now it's like, wow, that is that is just crazy. That's just an obvious advantage at this point if they've been doing it for that long. You know, what do you think about that? Um, well, actually, I haven't heard the rushing thing. I'm glad I've heard that. Um, it's actually funny because you say that. Uh, I don't know about the rushing attempts. I mean, I know Stephen Ridley. Had heavy, heavy, had had ball trouble. Uh, Used to fumble the ball a little bit, but um, that is just, that puts, you're shocking me because I don't even know about that. You're putting more proof into the, uh, I guess, pudding than sometimes they might say. I just think the whole thing is ridiculous. Um, You know, I think Jerome Bettis was interviewed by ESPN. He, he did say, you know if this was any other team, if this is Tennessee Titans, Philadelphia Eagles, if this was someone of an importance where it didn't matter, um I would take it lighter. This is New England Patriots, you got the Flake gate, you have um- Sp- oh, I mean you have Gate. you have um just many things that they've been accused of before, so it's real interesting that it would come out of them um We've even heard um Tom Brady was quoted in two 2000- thousand. Saying that he prefers throwing a lighter, inflated football, and um, then the NFL comes to find out eleven of the twelve were def- were you know lesser air pressure, which you know a lot of people came to me and said the weather affects it. The weather affects it. And, you know it does. You know uh, I know um, Carolina Panthers kicker um, came out and said, oh yeah, you know the weather deflates. Well, the Colts balls were fine. All twelve. Yes, and that's they were what I said too. You know, know, um, that's going to affect the Colts, too. Um, Granted, I do take the approach that I don't think it affected this last game. I think the Colts were the worst team. I still think the Patriots are the best team in the AFC. It's just the principle. It's the integrity of the game. Um, It's just, and and they're lying to our faces. Let's get real. Bill Belichick played it real well. Tom Brady looked like a deer in the headlights that first interview. He doesn't lie very well. I think it's pretty obvious what's going on out there, and I do think that either the team's going to get imposed some penalties after the Super Bowl or, uh, I know, like you might discuss, it's going to be some random ball boy who got a little uh, blank check. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's just really, really mind-blowing to me. And I'm reading the set here. Per ESPN, ESPN's reporting, 438 rushing attempts this season, zero fumbles. <laughs> and, you know, you talked about um, – Stephen Redley. Now Legarrett Blunt also, you know, um you know, uh this is this is from um this is from Shark Football Analysis said this. Stephen Redley is the poster boy of the fumbler for the Patriots. He fumbled only eight times per team. His fumble rate, whatever, you get it. Kevin Falk, he fumbled only three times. He had eighty offensive touches in two thousand five. It's just crazy. And and Legarrett Blunt is known for fumbling. And he has not fumbled once since joining the Patriots. You know, maybe they have a great running back coach, you know, he teaches them to tuck it, you know, and run. But it's just it's hard for me to believe. It's very hard for me to believe. You know, and um it's obviously obviously an advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's whether well, it, it's a it's large – advantage it's not lot of it's it's definitely an advantage for it's Tom Brady. I mean, mean I, I, especially, and it I – was more. I am a Tom Brady supporter. I guess I'm not going to say fan. Uh, you know, they talked about, oh, you know, Eric, what? You know, some quarterbacks have their preferences, and maybe he didn't do it, maybe Tom didn't do it, and like Chris Carter even said last night, you're just insulting, you're insulting the the intelligence of everyone. How is Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, especially being Tom Brady, the future Hall of Fame, are going to come up and say? Oh, I don't I don't keep track of the footballs. I don't know I don't know what they are. When you were quoted six eight years ago saying, "Oh yeah, I love throwing under deflated footballs," how, how, so you're telling me Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, they don't they don't keep track with air pressure in footballs. I just I don't no, buy that no. one bit. And you're telling me that some ball boy has this great theory that he is superbly helping his team by. Taking you know the footballs behind the doors, and this is his plan, and it's been helping for all this time. Bill Belichick never knew, and no, it's just not happening. And you know, and I was you know I was just talking to a friend about it. I was like, if I'm a ball boy for the Saints, you know, I would love to be a ball boy for the Saints. That's like you know for the Saints, Pelicans. That's an awesome job. And Tom Vincent comes up to me, and he's like, listen, we need you to take the fall for this. We need you to take the fall for deflating, you know, the footballs on ask for upwards of hundreds of thousands. Because you feel, like, feel like Robert, I feel like Robert I feel I feel like I feel like Robert Kraft is just already going to not interrupt up to again, but I feel like Robert Kraft or even Tom Benson, I feel like they're just going to give it to him. They're going to offer it to him oh, yeah. immediately. They're going to say we need a scapegoat because that ball boy is not going to come up there and say I I'll take the heat. They're going to say or even an equipment manager maybe. They're gonna say, "Look, we have a blank check. How much you want? Stay away from this team forever. Get yourself a job. Take the heat, because we all know what would happen." Now, granted, the only side of this that's gonna be fishy is, sure, you let's say you do pay off someone like that. What happens? What happens if he comes out and whistleblows in the next five, ten years? I mean, that's that's the only yeah. worry that they would have. But I mean. Like you were saying, that, like why, why not? Like why wouldn't they write a blank check, or just give right. someone the check for cash for thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands? I mean, the the organization is worth a billion, probably eight hundred million plus. And what's that going to do? Oh yeah, especially billions The of organizations worth billions of dollars. And you know, going back to the weather point, this is something that the Colts reported in their first matchup with the Patriots during the regular season. That they felt that the balls were deflated, and the NFL kind of kept it hush hush. Now, that's what I've that's what I've read over the course of this whole pandemonium. Now, whether they actually were, you know, that's that's up for debate. But Indianapolis, yeah, it's a cold city, but that is a dome. That is a dome they were playing in. So obviously, there's there must be a pattern here. I mean, you're looking. This is a team that has. A run-in with the law of the NFL. I mean, it's not far-fetched at all. It's really not. And that was a rainy game. It gives you good grip. We all knew it was going to be a rainy and cold game. It's just it's it's the evidence at this point is substantial. I believe. But um, what a nightmare season for Roger Goodell. Oh I mean, yeah, that's that's why that's why people are looking at this so. That's why that's why I think it's getting a pretty majority of the uh the media coverage it is. We already know what the Ray Rice situation that was. That was a nightmare for the NFL. Now they have this. And now you're faced with even even made a good point that the Colts complained about it in a dome that was the temperature of that dome of the uh Lucas Oil Stadium it was probably what 74 degrees. The weather didn't affect that ball. Now they're saying, you know, the NFL kept it hush. Who is Robert Kraft allegedly, you know, close with? Roger Goodell, we heard that out of Richard Sherman, and there's been pictures. You know, do you think Robert Kraft and, the, and Roger Goodell, you know, Roger Goodell kind of bat the blind eye? We might never know, but this is the time to figure it out. If something, you know, if, you know, and Roger Goodell, Roger Kraft really, and I do like I'll, I'll I'll give him a little. Uh, I was kind of happy for him. He did came out. and He said, um, you know, that he basically said, "Hey Goodell, if you have anything." you know, let me know because just reminding you, you know, the owners, we put you in the spot you're in right now. The owners voted Dell in. They want to take that privilege away, and I commend it. You know, we can have another talk another time. I would love to see Roger Goodell get oh, out again. Look, I could, Oh, look, we could have a whole three-hour show about how I feel the NFL, and this is why, you know, going on, this is why I feel the NBA is truly winning my heart over. But the NFL is a – you know, just essentially becoming corrupt, you know, and you really look down at the deep roots. The NFL calls themselves a non-profit organization. That is sickening to me. It's all profit. The NBA, the MLB, the NFL, it's all profit. It's all professional sports. I'm not knocking any, any of them. It's just that's the way it works. Well, the NBA, unlike the NFL, does not evade their taxes. But the NFL by calling themselves a non profit evades their taxes. But I'm not going to get into all that. I'm no specifics or law major, but um you know, um moving on, you know, but also kind of keeping it the same um is this Roger Goodell story and how he's gonna deal with this, but also how he's going to handle being undermined right now by the other Super Bowl contender. That being the Seahawks. You have Richard Sherman coming out oh. saying nothing will happen to the Patriots because of his buddy-buddy relationship with Robert Craig. Which, I mean, look back in the past, he, Richard has a point. As much as I dislike him, he has a point. And then Marshawn Lynch. I mean, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this dude. I'm here so I won't get fined. I'm here so I won't get fined. And then hey, other people call playing the social phobia card. As if. He's playing in front of... Thousands, hundreds of thousands, and millions—really, when you talk about like, TV, I, I don't know if I don't know if you listen to Mike and Mike. I obviously I'm a mass communications major, so will you? I love Mike and Mike. I love Greenberg. I love Golick. Like Golick said it best. He said, "A social, like you know, a social anxiety? Are you kidding me?" You gave a full interview to Deion Sanders last year at the, at the Super Bowl, which wasn't a problem at all. Let's not forget that you can repeatedly. On national television, grab your crotch. Um, so basically, you have you have no class by grabbing your crotch and being all like that. But yet you won't have an and little ounce of class to just speak with reporters. You could be obnoxious yeah. on the field, you know, and you can. And then he also said you can you can star in a Skittles commercial. You know, right, right. right. Yeah, you, 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 you know, that it just, it makes and no where he, Sorry to interrupt, but where was the no, comment from the NFL when he did that to uh, the yeah. Saints in '11? Well, that—that's I think I actually, am, I think that I think that was the first time he did it. That—that's the first was, time I've was, ever seen still, it. You can't just say, "Oh, you're excused" because it's the first time. I know. You know I'm not—I'm not, I'm not knocking the NFL for not for not calling that out. Then um, it seems like it's gotten much worse. Uh, it's retar- I, excuse my language. It's, it's just dumb. It's it's, it's just yeah. Really, you know, really, yeah. really, really dumb. He has no class. He will not speak to the media, like I said. But he uh, what's, what's he tell Deion Sanders, boss, boss man, going to do boss things. Whatever he said, it's just he he just he feels like he like he's I, yeah. I, I would, he's superior. And I'll, I'll analyze it I want to I wanna, I wanna get some Pelicans talks in, but I'll. I'll try to end my side at this. He's trying to protest a rule, which, you know what, I actually do agree with the rule. I think, I mean, actually I agree that the rule is dumb. I think we shouldn't force players to speak to the media. But then again, a lot of players believe that rule, I mean, they believe that it shouldn't be a rule either. But you know what they do? They speak to the media. Just speak to the media. If it's what you have to do, speak to the media. If it's not what you have um, to do, good. I just, yeah. Well, we'll finishing out this NFL talk, I'm going to counter that with, I disagree. You know, that is in their contracts, these hundreds of million-dollar contracts that they sign. When they complain about speaking to the media, you know, oh, my God, cry me a river. And you got Joe Schmo over here, you know, working his butt off, trying to make a living you know, and then you got these guys who just don't even want to talk to people. And it's not even like it's tough pressing questions. Every question is the same. Every person in sports gives the same answer. It's called a spinoff. It's, it's a, it's the, these same cliche answers. Hey Tom, what's the game plan for the, against the Seahawks? Oh, you know, they're a very good defensive team.
1: We're going to try
0: everything we can. We're going to, you know, we're going to attack them here, whatever. Oh, all right. All right. We get it. You know, and, and, it's just it's it's frustrating to me. Especially how Sean Payton handles the media now, is being a Saints fan is very frustrating to me. Just I don't see the big deal in it, but you know, it's alright. Okay. But uh just one last thought about the Marshawn Lynch thing. Um he was not even flagged for taunting on that, if I recall correctly. When he did uh, it against he, the Saints. And if I recall correctly, You know, I was talking to somebody about this today, actually, and they said, um, well, the NFL has gotten stricter with that stuff over the years. Okay, you're right, they have. They have. But not to just bring up Saints-related incidents, but in 2006 in the NFC Championship game, when Reggie Bush just pointed at Brian Urlacher, we were penalized for that. (laughs) So, Marshawn Lynch grabs his crotch, and he gets nothing? I mean, come on, man. But I regress. Um, I, I I digress, excuse me. Moving on to the, uh, Go Pell. you know, four, four in a row. row. Just, let's get started. You know, just a week ago, I was on Twitter ranting, uh, blow the team up, trade everybody. You know, Rick doesn't fit, you know, he's, oh my God, he's low IQ, he's, He's dumber than Marshawn Lynch. And now I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is incredible, you know? Could the do you see the playoffs happening this year? Honestly. Uh oh man. Um honestly, no. And I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you because uh they're young they screwed up big time. They have some and you can account for this. I know you can. They have too many dumb losses on their resume. Um and let's get and let's get let's look at the facts straight. They're starting too late. They're starting to gel right now. The defense is starting to look better. In January, they're at the middle part of the league. Even top 10 in defensive efficiency. They're moving up. They're getting better. They're playing together. But the thing is though, we're 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 on a th- four-game winning streak. We're three games above 500. Let's not forget who who's the uh, who's sitting right behind us, the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, they're they're like I know that they started off slow because they didn't have KD and even missed Westbrook a little bit, but they're behind us. They're still a very good yeah. team. Yeah, I, I, I well, predicted the beginning of the year. I predicted I predicted predicted 47 wins. Not going to happen. Um. Like, uh, shout out to our little, you know, our good friend Logan. He called it 41, 41, 42, and 40. 500 is what I can see for this team. But then again, this team is young. This team is led by a coach who shouldn't be leading this team. So that's the point. They're young. They're going to get it. Next year should be a year where we see what happens. Uh, This year, I think, I think it's a little too late. Um, I can just think off the top of my head, you know, wins to, uh, wins against the Pacers, uh, Knicks, and the 76ers would give us three more wins. We would be uh, 27-18, and I believe. That's That's correct. Um, We'd probably be sitting at the 8 or the 7 seed because the Spurs also have 18 losses, I believe. Yeah. Well, Well, I think... yeah. You can go. Oh, sorry. Oh, I just want to get this in real quick. Um, you you, you This is a mind-blowing stat, Andrew, and it's just a, a cool comparison to look at. Now, um, believe it or not, I got the stat from Fletcher Mackel, but I got it confirmed by the great Michael McNamara. Now, check this out. Oklahoma City Thunder, in their third year with Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's third season, they started out the season 24 and 21. <laughs> and then they finished the season 50 and um, 32. <laughs> and got into It's <laughs> creepy, right? I mean, Anthony Davis' third year, Kevin Durant's third year, both were being praised as superstars. And then, bam, I mean, they just hit their strides. Now, something that's very interesting, though, and I want to touch on this, you know, the last 10 minutes we have, is Tyreek Evans without Drew Holiday. This is very interesting. What if Tyreek blows it up, as he is right now? I mean, his stats in January, Um, somebody, you know, said his stats in January, this was this is old, but his stats in January are ridiculous, and this isn't even up to date. Um, as of January 20th, he was averaging 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists, shooting 50%. It's incredible, really. And, and something I was reading today really stood out to me. Now, Drew Holiday was out for the rest of the year last year. In this time of the year, Tyreek came in, started starting finally. And then that was the same time where Eric Gordon was coming back from some injuries. And the team looked good in some games. I mean, you go back, look at the Thunder game where he dropped 40 Oklahoma wanted. City, yeah. Yeah, and some other games where he just looked awesome. And the two starting guards in those games were him and Eric Gordon. It's very interesting to think about. But, you know, you, you see some cool. old highlights. You'd love what Drew Holiday do you think, brings you on defense. Do you, do you think it's a uh, – and actually, you know, I, I um, shout-out to Bourbon Street Shot. McNamara, Ryan Schwan, they do a great job on their podcast. Um, If you listen to it, they brought up the idea and it intrigued me when I heard it. I disagree with it. Um, You know, they brought up the idea. How about moving Drew Holiday to the bench? And I just, I don't think that would work. Um, I really was against it. I went on a Twitter rant uh, the night before the Grizzlies game. Um, I was disappointed with moving Tyreek Evans to the bench. Um, That was primarily with. The problems of Eric Gordon, with Eric Gordon's improvements. With I have been the biggest Eric Gordon hater out of anyone. I I hate the man. He has me blocked on Twitter. I do not like him. Um, I didn't like who Eric Gordon. He blocked me on Eric Twitter Gordon. as well. You know, I I, <laughs> I don't I, even remember him. saying anything mean to him. I mean, I can't. I, I I'm not a mean I person. And I him, can't. But I, I don't. I'm, I'm taking it back because he's been playing amazing. He's been playing great. He's he's starting to catch and shoot more. He's he's finishing at the rim. He really he's he's getting me happy. Um with Eric Gordon playing like this, and like you said, Tyreek, when he's pretty much by himself, when he is the primary ball handler, he's finishing. He's even shooting better. Coming oh. off ma McNamara, you know, quoted this. The three games he came off the bench, he had three straight games, he averaged twenty eight and four. Shooting 55% in this, while well, actually shooting, I think, 41% from three, maybe. Like, he was phenomenal. If Eric Gordon's playing like this, and he's playing well off the ball, let Drew and Eric Gordon be your, be your backcourt. And they're, they're the best defensive backcourt we have, starting wide. Him and Eric Gordon, yeah. I don't think. I mean, Tyreek isn't a better defender. Let Holiday Eric Gordon run your backcourt. Let Evans lead the the, uh, the bench unit. We can drop Nate Walters. I don't know what's going on with that. Give it let Jimmer be a catch and shoot guard. Uh that's what I that's what I suppose. Put put Evans on the bench when Holiday's back. See, I like what Nate's bringing to the team. Uh he's a great finisher and he's been playing great defense and uh I, I don't think we should drop Nate. I think we should give him a a contract to finish out the year. Um but it's just very, very intriguing the whole Drew Holiday thing. But at the same time, it's very intriguing how hopeless we are without Anthony Davis. <laughs> I mean, he came out the game in the fourth quarter against the Mavericks. I, was, I think the bird writes, I'm quoting the bird writes on this one, came out the game in the fourth quarter against the Mavericks with eight minutes or so left. We didn't score until six minutes left with an Anthony Davis free throw. So we didn't score for, it may have been five minutes, for three minutes. We just couldn't score. You know, but going back to your Tyreek off the bench thing, um, I want Tyreek to come off the bench when Drew comes back. Um, I just think he can play that one position. And maybe that's why Jimmer is in the doghouse, but... Bonnie Williams is infamous for putting people in the doghouse. I mean, you go back to, back to Carl Landry, Marcus Thornton, you know, oh, it's ridiculous. But Jimmer, I don't think he'll be a part of this team next year. He won't. That's a whole other story. But um, Tyreek running the one with Nate at the two, and you have to leave Quincy at the three. I think that is the most important thing when Drew comes back to leave Quincy on the bench. Because a lineup with Tyreek and Dante, even though it's working right now in the games, I just can't see it working on the bench. I think that if not Dante it, brings something else to the starting lineup. I don't know. I just think Quincy might the better, be a better bench um, guy. Dante, the thing is, though, that's what they're talking about now, you know. Pairing Dante with um, AD and Omar Ashik, it's kind of it's weird because Omar Ashik and AD are two best rebounders on this team and Dante is a really is a solid great rebounder put him on the bench you know i mean put him well not put him on the bench but um keeping him with them keeping steady rebounding you know with Ashik and AD it's better that way he's not ball dependent he lives from nineteen feet away. Those corner little jump shots and his bread and butter. Keep him there. Let him be a defensive guy. Um mean like Quincy's been finishing games. I believe Quincy finished the Maz game Sunday, which was odd, but Quincy's gotta uh, gotta stay on the bench. I love I, Quincy I did bring it up the scene. He did, he brings he and he, he is a McNamara set even above Anthony Davis. Quincy is one of the high, has one of the highest IQs on this team. Oh and I love He's them. one of those guys who does everything correct. He's the one of those guys that every good playoff team has. You know? He's just a key guy. And I said the same thing about Dante Cunningham too. If we can go through the offseason and retain both of them and possibly a Sheik, I, I love the way a Sheik has been playing in these past and during the streak. Oh, well, I love it. He well then, then come that great. comes well then it comes to you, you know, you say that and then the discussion gets brought up. If we retain Dante and Quincy, are, are, are you contract. okay? I'm sorry, I forgot about that. No, you're right, Quincy is on for contract the, for the next next three okay years. With, are you okay with Dante Cunningham being <laughs> our starting <laughs> small forward next year? That's, I mean, it depends. See, it really does. I mean, a lot of people are talking about going grab um, DeMar Carroll with the MLE, and oh, my God, he would be an outstanding fit for this team. But – if Quincy really hit his stride, would he be a bunch better than Quincy? You know what I mean? Um, Damar uh, Carroll oh, okay, for Yeah. Yeah, with well, DeMar, a DeMar, Yeah, I know Damari's is a great shooter. He, that's why he I can think shoot. He, would fit, yeah. he would fit really right good now, starting line. Right now, shooting 28. percent from three. Which well, that's, kind so of, that's the, not, problem. The, the problem. The problem is I can improve on it myself. You know we can't. We well, can because he, he has shot him better before. But the thing is that we can't have next year. We can't have them both. That's my thing. I mean, but also, but then again, Cunningham can play the four. Granted, we have Ryan he Anderson. Can. I don't want Ryan. I don't want Ryan Anderson being my starting center on the bench unit. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. I mean, we only have two minutes left. This is definitely going to be an hour show, you guys. You can see we just ran it for a while, but, um, I mean. It's going to be hard to retain the both of them. Right. Um, I mean, it's just... So, I'm, I'm, I was looking at it today, and um, where we sit with the cap is... is, is it's, very, uh, Andrew, it's, it's, it's very interesting, Andrew. It's intriguing. very interesting. Yeah. What we'll do... It. I think we have uh, right now between Quincy, Eric Gordon... Tyreek, Drew, and Ad. That's five guys. We have fifty-five million dollars tied up in those. This guy said that the cap is projected to be, um, I think he said sixty-six million next year. So with the cap projected to be sixty-six million, we only have eleven million dollars to spend. That's five guys. The an NBA roster is comprised of fifteen guys. Mm-hmm. Are we looking at a bunch it's... of Jimmer for deaths? I mean, no, we're not. How are we going to fill just... that out? Alexia Jensa, I think, will be gone because some team will snatch him from us. Jeff, and then, and remember, is Eric is a free Gordon. agent, it's, it's up to Eric Gordon to pick up his option, the player option. That's not. That's it's another very intriguing. Aspects to it all. And right now, with the well, way he's have. playing, you don't want Eric Gordon to opt out. Well, I mean, you want him to opt out, but oh, you don't man. want to get rid of him. He's, uh, he's playing great. But you want him to opt he's out and say, I'll the a tinier then contract. Then again, but in the end game, that crap don't happen. All right. 15, 15 seconds. Pels, next three games. Do they win them all? Let's see. We got Nuggets, the Clippers, Nuggets, the Hawks. Nuggets, right? Hawks, Clippers. I say we lose to the Clippers. Win the other two. I I think we're gonna end the Hawks streak. Alright. Well that's uh that'd be a nice addition if we could uh definitely beat them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the streak will continue, Andrew. I really do. I, I think that I think that this team will keep up the good work. The only team I'm afraid of in this week really is the Nuggets. I don't know why they play we don't come to play against these lower-tier teams. I think I think we can end the Hawks' streak. I think we're going to eye in on how they spread the floor. I think we'll eliminate them. I mean, we, we – and I'm just saying that from a standpoint of just sheer guessing. I mean, the, the Clippers and the Hawks are going to be – the next three games are toss-up games. We can lose to either team, but then again, on our best night, we can beat every team in this league. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with so you. Forward. I mean, it, what Pelicans team are we getting? You know, and that's the biggest question. You know, I like to think that on night, prime time, weekend games at home, no one can beat us, right? And I thought that, and I've thought that since the beginning of the season. When I was there at the Orlando game, everybody's wearing red shirts. I I I went to some of the 07 08 playoff games, and that was the first time I had felt that vibe. Since then, really, I mean, you could just feel it in the air. Anthony Davis is the man of this town. But when Portland came in on that Saturday night and looked us like we were their children, it was sickening. I mean, from start to finish, and it really was because of our typical. I like I, I believe that O'Mani will Slow start. We had one last night against the 76 um, Sixers. Really, it started out a little slow. Even David Wesley mentioned it. You know? Yeah. It. Um. I was also at that Portland game. Um. It. It was sickening. That was. That was. <laughs> as a. Uh, as a. As a fan and an observer, I will say I did leave it. Um. The beginning of the third quarter. That game was ridiculous. Damian Lillard hit a step back three. I think the lead went up to 30. Uh, it was just insane, you know, but mine um, is a whole nother discussion. Um, it's just, it's just, it goes back to how this conversation started. What team are we going to get on this night? You know, what team are we going to get? Are we going to get the Pels team that, beat the raptors, uh, drew holiday, and anthony davis, or are we going to get the Celtics team with anthony davis that you know couldn't beat uh was that terrible loss to oh man uh was oh, the, the Knicks loss Seventy That we we had anthony davis, we didn't have him this game. Um it's like we didn't have right him now. in this game. Yeah, I mentioned them, I mentioned it earlier. You know those games where we've had Anthony Davis and we lose these bad games and then, you know, it's just always a toss-up. It's, I mean, it's just it's hard to understand sometimes, you know. This team is, is it ha- they have the potential to be um, one of the better teams in the West.
1: Really? I mean, I mean it I,
0: does. It's just, it's some nights, you know, you're left, like, saying, wow, this team is incredible. And then some nights you're left saying, oh, my God, Dell Depps, Monty Williams, everyone needs to go except for Anthony Davis. You know, and you're like, it's just frustrating. You know, but I guess that's sports. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm joking with my girlfriend, you know, that, I've really fallen victim to the typical guy who, like, plans his day around sports events, you know? And, like, when we lose, I'm, like, devastated. Like, don't talk to me. Like, even if it's just a game, of Wednesday night game, not any significance whatsoever, you know? My day is ruined. And I'll, I'll like, look through it all day. We, like, every game can be possible, you know? And it's just tough. There's just, uh... It's tough being a fan of the team, I'll tell you that. You know, there's so many yeah, misconceptions. You know, it's it's something like I am too. Um and um like you said, like I'll I'm look, I'll I'll pull up the schedule right now. Um and I'm looking at it, you know, it's it's not necessarily about wins and losses. Um I mean if we lose to a good game fine. But you know, I'm I'm gonna eye out uh November seventh. Uh we were beating the Portland Trailblazers by eleven, going into the fourth quarter. We lost that game.
1: Um,
0: I look at the Denver Nuggets game. We were playing phenomenal on that road trip, even though we did lose to Portland, you know, that that Monday night. We come out against the Nuggets flat, lose by 20. Um, And then we go ahead and we lose three straight. Three straight to Sacramento, Atlanta, Washington. Um, And, you know, it's just... And, you know, there's the bad loss. Um Charlotte, Charlotte we shouldn't lose like that. Well you know, you know, those, you know like those those fourth quarter meltdowns have been all too all too um sort of the, word I'm the for? Celtics, you know, man. The the Boston Celtics, yeah, I don't want to get started on that, but it's like those Ooh. are the games that we those are the games that we need to win. Right, and you didn't have not tell to me that you were watching that Mavericks game and you were not. You can't tell me you weren't waiting for it to just melt down. How about this? You know, let me tell you this right now. I was I was working Sunday night. Uh, I caught a majority of the game, mainly all of it. We had a um, we had a big lead, and um, actually at halftime, about a halftime was when I started. Kind of getting away from it. I just noticed, I said, I'm waiting for this team to throw this game away. I look up and I watch Dirk catch a corner, pass, and hit a three. One, I said, this game is over. Typical pallet game. And What did they do? Strung together. Anthony Davis took over that game. Like you said, he's embracing his star power. He's telling people in the huddle what to do. Like I said, and this is a reference to our other show, and this is mine. Check it out. Um, That is why I would want Anthony Davis starting my franchise. He is 21 years old. He is is already becoming a leader. Like I said, again, he is 21 years old. He just became legal to drink. He's ridiculous. (laughs) And this this team is going to be something special next year and so on, depending on how everything goes with coaching. I do. I, I'm not going to judge them for the Eric Gordon thing because let's be honest. Eric Gordon, he, is, when we he was in a corner. contract, I mean, he was in a corner. That's the no only way to put it. Because Eric Gordon, when healthy, was considered a top ten shooting guard and a potential all star player. What happened? Phoenix said, "You know what? Let's do it too." He had no. He had he had no option. He had just lost Chris Paul. This is the closest thing he had for a superstar right now. Because remember, this is year four eighty. He has no other option. He has to sign Eric Gordon right there. I don't blame him for that. I really don't. I blame. Eric yeah, Gordon I'm, for I'm his, with uh, you yeah, there. I um, I'm with you there because we, we, I don't want to. I don't want to get into all that. But you know, just briefly. You know, I'm I'm a member, I'm, I like to, I'm a forum guy, and I'm on Real GM a lot. Real GM's a great site. I don't know if you've ever heard of Real GM, but it's a, all the NBA fans come together and they talk about the NBA. Well, there are so many misconceptions about the Pelicans. And the first one is Dell the most incompetent GM in the NBA. You know, I'm going to touch on a couple different things here. Okay, they start with the Eric Gordon matching. Del Demps had no other choice in that situation. And it, it's just... It's really sad that he gets that pegged on him constantly because you look at that. Okay, you do the trade. Chris Kamen, he was expiring. He's gone. Chris Kamen, essentially in that trade, turned into Ryan Anderson. The so public eye does not see that, though. Okay, so then you look at the pick off the rivers. Not even going to get started on that. <laughs> and then... uh
1: um, How about Horuk,
0: who everybody knew was gonna be—I mean, he just never really. Everybody knew he would never let's, really getting let's going. Let's not forget him. that there were that there were really two teams, and this is a—you know—I I love 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 Drew Holiday. I think he's only 24. He's gonna get—he's gonna get smarter. He's gonna get better, even though he was already an All Star. There were two teams who wanted Damian Lillard. That was the Portland Trailblazers and the New Orleans. Hornets, Pelicans, whatever you want to call them. What happens when he doesn't have the amazing workout in Portland? What if we get Damian Lillard? Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis growing together. I don't even want to get started on what would have happened because I think we would have already been close to the finals by this point. Not even that's Damian big. Lillard, man, and I don't even—I'm not even a big fan of this guy. But if Andre Drummond I know you're not one big. more pick, one more pick, and that's just typical New Orleans history. Who else? Paul George was one pick before us. Oh my God, it's just our luck, you know. But like I said, you know, Eric Gordon was—I mean, I remember when we got him. You know, people being like, "Oh my God, Eric freaking Gordon!" Like. We have the stud young uh, shooting guard. We have one of the best young studs in the NBA. And I remember people saying, oh, my God, Drew Brees should go pick him up from the airport. And, you know, I, I went back and read some airports and stuff when we did the trade. And I remember people commenting on NOLA. dot on saying, oh, my God, Drew Brees should go pick him up from the airport. And you look at that now and just laugh. Like, oh, my gosh, Drew Brees <laughs> picking up Eric Gordon from the airport. Just imagine that sight. Hey, what's up, man? slap in the face, huh? Yeah, like, <laughs> the fact that Drew Brees and Eric Gordon are even in the same sentence as to a level of is, is beyond me, but you know, you you look at it, and he was the star that traded. He had no other option. I mean, if Eric Gordon-Simon San Antonio blows it up, which I think he would have, you know, in spite of us and in spite of the Clippers, And also because that freaking medical staff has a fountain of youth hidden somewhere in their facility. It's ridiculous. Um, But, yeah, it's just, either way, it's something that could have gotten him fired and still can get him fired, I think, if Eric just suddenly goes back to playing like Walsh and Rivers. Well, well, you know, out of everybody, who do you think, uh, you know, who, who thanks Dell Dems the most is definitely the um, Phoenix Suns. Wow. We uh, we saved them. Uh, we we basically yeah. named them uh, Eric Bledsoe, Gordon project. You know, I think if, if they dump all their money into the Eric Gordon project,
1: I don't know how that would have
0: turned out for them. And I mean, you know, Michael McNamara, again on the on the podcast, you know, referenced a question, that I guess I'll ask you. I'll, I'll take a little bit of their questions. Eric Gordon right now has made $12 million um, which I still think is a little bit too much. Um, but right now he's playing – he's almost like a uh, – and I love him. I, I think he's great. He's playing at a Bradley deal level where he's playing really good, but he's not playing all-star. If Eric Gordon were, in a, were in another contract, let's say three years, would you sign Eric Gordon three years, you know, somewhere in the range of $9 million a year? If Eric Gordon can play like this consistently, not only would I sign him for three years, you're saying $9 million a year? Yeah, $9 million a year. Yeah, I would sign him for about a three-year $27 million contract. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but then again, the injury history is just so troubling. That's what they say, one one fall and we, we get nervous. Yeah, it's it's weird to me, you know, and, uh, but still, you know, going back to Dal Demps, I, I just, I, I think he's really crapped on a lot. No, people don't really look at the broad aspect of things, you know, the broader spectrum, I guess is, is the better term he is there. And, um, what I, I went, I went, I went way off subject. What I was going to say is the Quincy Pondexter treat. This was when we were talking about Anthony Davis. Ever since then, we are, I think, six and two since he's played in games. Uh, if I'm. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, we are. Yeah, he, yeah, we've only, we've, uh, we're was, six and two. It was five of last seven, and we won last night, correct? Yeah, yeah. And so you can say, all right, that's just the deduction of Austin Rivers. You're right. You're right. It is. But it's also the addition of Quincy Pondexter. And I'm not just talking about what he does on the court. I've seen the way Anthony Davis has shown emotion like he never has in his career before. And David Leslie and Joel Myers were talking about it on the broadcast last night. They truly think that that he is showing all this emotion and playing with such emotion as a result of Quincy Pondexter. He thinks that Quincy Pondexter is like his guy in his corner. You know, like piping him up, you know, and being, you know, his guy, you know, it's 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 really incredible. And Quincy is a leader. I mean, the Pelicans posted a video the other day of him doing the uh like the second game he was with the team. He was doing the uh pregame speech and everything. I'm like, wow, this guy's incredible. And you know, you see the uh the goodbye speech he left from Memphis. That's the kind of guys we need on our team. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, we bring in uh we bring in someone like John Salmons for veteran presence, right? And now we we steal like, um. Oh man, uh, uh I was gonna say who quoted it. I want to say Mason Ginsburg, another great, um, another great journalist for Bourbon Street Shots, said, you know, while Memphis and Houston are giving up big things and making big moves to acquire Josh Smith, Jeff Green, you know. Dell is sneaking great players in through the back door, which is true. We give up Austin Rivers, Russ Russ Smith, who I did like. I did appreciate Russ Smith. I think he no, might yeah, be able still be fine.
1: We give up I, I Russ I Smith think...
0: and Austin Rivers for Quincy Pondexter. Let's uh, let's we talk a little bit about Austin <laughs> Rivers um, too here um, with the with. I mean, uh, I, I was reading somebody talking about it the other day. They said that uh, Silver should have nixed the trade uh, for the for the sole reason of nepotism, which is which is so funny. Um, and Doc's already making excuses for his son. You know, he was it's terrible just, that uh, that game Friday night. The other Friday night, Clippers cat- Oh my God, Kyrie embarrassed him. I was so happy he got some Rivers. Um, never been a fan of him. The only thing I'll say positive is that he was our quickest defender. Maybe like Drew Holiday is a one of the best defenders, but Drew isn't quick off his feet. I guess Rivers was our quickest to move around. That's that's all I can say. He he had the ability to be a great defender. He showed maybe an occasional three games this past year where he, he was decent defending. That was it. He was shooting terribly. Uh, I just don't want to get into Rivers. I think we needed him off this team. He was an experiment, um, but he was an experiment coming out of college. I mean, he was great in high school, uh, number one in the country, great at Duke, and then you know we drafted him and we expected bigger things from him, uh, and we just we didn't get anything near it. You know, it's 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 um it's interesting that he is. Killing that Clippers offense as soon as he is in the game. As soon as he is subbed in, I don't have the advanced stats with me now. I just had it on my and I lost it. But he is killing that offense. Their offensive rating shoots down so significantly. It is—it's it, it, almost unbelievable. It's almost like somebody is tampering. Almost like Chad Ford type tampering. <laughs> With the um, with these numbers, it's insane. But you know how I was. You and I used to get in yelling arguments about Rivers. Um, I-, I thought he really had potential. And uh, you he know, did. No, no, no. no. I, he ne- did. I never denied his potential, Joel. He had he had the potential. He had the right. potential, and he pro- and he still does. I mean, I'm not saying the kid is like unathletic. He he's a quick. He could be a really good defender. There were games last year where he defended James Harden really well. He defended Kobe pretty well in the first meeting in the first meeting, first home meeting at least. You know, he defended him real well. His offensive game, he showed some bright spots of finishing at the rim. At the rim. That was it, man. He had his he has his potential and you know, it's I I just that's all I guess I can say. Potential. Yeah. Well, you know, um I was thinking about this earlier to say on the uh podcast and I was gonna save this for another podcast but I guess I'll just say it now. There are guys and they come in, especially when you're at a game, it's just a whole at the whole atmosphere, the whole feeling is different. But there are guys when they step on the court, you feel it. Like you're scared of that guy. Like you don't whenever you're at a Pelicans game or something or at a live event or I'll just compare it to when the Saints play the Pack play the Packers the year after they won the Super Bowl in Green Bay. And whenever mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers touched the ball, you just felt like whatever he did was going to succeed. Like he was help- – you were – this team was helpless. No one could stop him. You know, and you feel like that sometimes with LeBron, sometimes, and and other NBA players. And um, there's also the opposite effect of that, where whenever these players step on the court, you're like, holy hell. How did these guys ever succeed at any level of basketball, whether it's intramural or anything? How? There's guys in the D League that would kill for this job and do way better, you know? It's it's, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable to me. But when he came in the game, you just felt it. You just, um, I'll bring up, for example, the Warriors game that was on national television. Now, we we were already getting killed, but when he came in the game, you just felt helpless. You just felt like there was nothing you can do because he ruined all flow of basketball. You know, you mentioned it. Was it a bad, uh, you know, it's just it's sick. It's it, it's it's terrible to watch. You know, you um, you mentioned it earlier about Mommy's doghouse. He got put in the doghouse um, quickly. He got put in the doghouse. Um, it was the uh you know, I have trouble remembering the games, There's so many of them. It was the game for the Wizards game. Uh, you know, we lost the Wizards uh January. Well, the Wizards fifth, game we got put in the doghouse, actually. The the wonderful third and fourth quarter. where Andre Netflix, Miller... and Monty Williams. That is when I started my fire mommy, and I to interrupt you I <laughs> was so passionate about that. We that that that's what it was. Our last game before that was January second. We beat the hell out of the Rockets. Everybody played good. Beat the Rockets, embarrass them. You know, um, and so what happens? Actually, you know what? Actually, no, Joel. You know what, Joel? Let me take this back to Tuesday, December 30th, the Suns game. We beat the Suns by four at home. Great win. Jimmer gets the most minutes, right? Not really a lot of rhythm. Jimmer played excellent. Exactly. Next game, San Antonio, Jimmer played excellent again. You know, I remember, take away from the San Antonio game, Omar Sheik's tip-in. We are not going to talk about that. I do not want to break anything. <laughs> that, that is Pelican's luck. So we're doing good. Like you said, he was in the doghouse. So what does Monty do? Brings him in the last possession of the third quarter. When we're closing a gap, we're on a run. Ryan, he hits a three, cuts the lead to, I think, seven, eight, or nine, one of those. Andre was Miller no, School awesome Rivers. Three. The wizard game. Is that what he did? Ryan Anderson, your... yes. It was three points. Like, sixty nine to sixty six. He we we had that. We, we were coming back in that game, they put Rivers in. Andre Miller takes him to school. Andre Miller is thirty nine years old, I believe. And that's what I mean. And I was watching that with two of our good friends, uh here at my house and I'm just like, I'm watching it thinking just feeling helpless, you know, as a fan. And I felt helpless for our team, you know, like, wow. And, you know, we were watching that game, and at one point I paused it, you know, for for, for a funny part, for a funny face Jeff Withey was making in the second quarter on the bench. I'm like, oh, look at Jeff Withey. He's so stupid, whatever. And so on the left of Jeff Withey is Austin Rivers, and he is pouting so hard for not playing. And then later that week comes the infamous tweet from his brother. Man, why are oh, we playing Jim for dead over my brother? Oh, He's trash. He can't don't. even play garbage. Oh god! I mean, he can't even play Start defense. Mis- his, his, your his, brother his, wow. Anything, man. You know, but I mean, I it makes The mind no the, sense, man. the Clippers. The, the, well, not even, like and then it makes no sense from the Clippers standpoint. They get rid of uh, Reggie Bullock and Jordan Barbar, and re- they replace him with Austin Rivers. Like, what is going on in their heads, man? I, like, what is going on? I'm looking at Rivers' stats right now because I haven't really paid attention to it. Let me let me just you know I, I haven't paid. The only time I paid attention is when he was blown up on Twitter because Kyrie was schooling him. His Last game with us was against Memphis. He played 12 minutes, Chucked up one shot, missed it, of course. Um, Charlotte, zero minutes. Washington, six minutes. You know, he he just got put in his doghouse. So he comes out, and you know what he's done in the Clippers? Let me tell you. These are the games he's played. Zero points, one point, two point, nine points, two points, four points. Hasn't shot above 50, uh... He shot fifty-seven percent against the net. Played twenty-four minutes. I don't know what else to say. I mean, he—he's going to be an average. He's going to be a below-average bench player, which AKA means he's a eleventh, tenth man. He's a reserve. There you go. He, he is for the reserve. He's going to be a uniform but, at this point. Yeah. Well, you know what? Joel his uh, his last name is Rivers, and he's Doc's son, so he will always have a. You will always be playing in this league. Uh, no, I, I, I see. I see your point. You know, it's, whether it's for a team like the Sixers or or whatever, he'll be playing. You know, and just um, just to, just to uh, touch on something else from this whole Rivers thing is the Monty Williams doghouse. Before we go, which is always so intriguing to me, and it's 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 like. It's it's like the Da Vinci code. It's it's like a Morse code. I don't know if it's like a code. It's like something you just can't figure out. You know, like uh, going all the way back, let's go back to last year. For a brief stretch of games, Anthony Mara started at three position. Al Farouk sat out for like six games. Just didn't even see one minute of play. And you're thinking, all right, we look much better. And you're wondering okay, is this him putting Al Farouk in the doghouse or him trying to get Morrow more time, or what's up, you know? And so it's just interesting. You just never know with Bonnie Williams. He's so unpredictable. And even last night, there was no reason at all why Jimmer Fredette does not play in that game over John Solomon, who looked like the worst player in the NBA, and oh my god, he was bad. Against the 76ers. I just don't get it. Jimmer has not looked bad. Defensively, he looked great. I mean, not great. Offensively, his passing has looked great. Defensively, he's held his own. I just don't get what's wrong with Jimmer. I I don't get why there's so much um, Jimmer problems. I just really don't. I don't either. He he's always been a great shooter at anything. Um and not this year. He's not even doing that. He's not even doing that right now. His passing though, his vision is the best on our bench with right, right now, now at just at this moment. You know. But I just don't get it. I don't I really don't. He played well in that That's 5 fun. game. Every game he's in, I'm like, wow, great pass. You know, and he finds Ryan Anderson. Like, those two have great, um, uh, excuse me. <laughs> they have great, they're very, uh, oh, come on, help me out here. I can't even think of it. I'm in uh, just, They just go together. Man. They can play chemistry. Well, they have well, great Chemistry, chemistry. 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 Yeah, um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, like I said, back to the root of the conversation, if the Pelicans can make the playoffs this year. I personally think we will and we can. We're already up 2-0 on the Thunder, and we play them twice next week, actually back-to-back, I believe. Um, the only away game we play before the All-Star break is in Oklahoma City. You know, it'll come down to how Tyreek defends Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. Now, granted, now, let me remind you, this, this isn't much as a, I mean, we could beat the Thunder, we could beat the Thunder the next few times. I don't see why they still wouldn't make the playoffs. Now, I think this is more of a, this is more of a thing about us making the playoffs. It's going to determine how Phoenix and San Antonio closes out the year. That's who we need to keep an eye on. I have more faith in the, the Thunder beating us out for the A C we have to pray that the Suns be a little worse. So the the Suns have a terrible stretch of games coming up. I believe they have Portland, Oklahoma City, Clippers, um, Golden State. They're about to get hit with games hard. They're going to have a tough swing of things. And if, if they lose the next three or lose three out of the next four, that opens it up for us if we can continue winning. So we have to, you know, it's. You just have to watch out for the Sunsets. I mean, let's, they're 14-7, and Westbrook fucking Durant. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we'll have to pick up on that next um, time. It was a great first inaugural episode, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it with you, dude. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just letting you guys know we did get cut off a little bit. uh, so the rest of our podcast. I'll work on getting that up. See you guys right after this, possibly linking it with iTunes. Um and just keep up to keep us uh just keep following us on your Twitters, uh twitter.com slash CC underscore objection. We'll keep you guys letting you know what our next live show will be. Could possibly be next Tuesday, could possibly be Thursday. But uh thank you guys very much and uh hope you guys have a good time listening.